Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I'd like to welcome everyone here today. I'm so thankful you guys have decided to join us here in person today. Also want to, uh, I jumped on the live stream a while ago and we've got several people that are also watching from home. Uh, some that are all honestly dealing with COVID themselves. Uh, and so I do want to welcome those uh, who are watching from home as well. Welcome in. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews uh, if, you're, if you have your Bible with you today. And if you're at home, do the same thing. Grab that Bible, turn to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we're going to be at today. But before we get started, I do want to remind you guys of uh, what our goal is. Uh, what is our goal? Here's our goal. Our goal is to help others experience God in real life. And that's just how it is. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. First, what we want to do is, is we want to experience God in real life. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that you take the text of the scriptures, you open it up, you look exactly at what the context is. That means that we don't take things out of context. We want to look exactly what the writer meant at the time when he wrote it and what he meant. And the amazing thing is, is that God can take those things and he can help us in our own lives. The Bible teaches us even through the context when they were living, teaches us in our own lives. And one of the reasons for that is, is humans haven't changed very much. We're still, we're still sinful screw-ups. That's just what we are. And uh, God can do that. And so in order to do that, in order for us to experience God in real life, we have to take a look at what the text says. And that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to do today. We've been going through a series um, called Greater Than. And uh, I will tell you guys, I don't know if you guys are going to clap or not, but we have one more week after this week, and then we're going to something else. <laughs> I know. Anybody want to take a guess uh, who, who doesn't know? Anybody want to take a guess how many weeks we've been in Hebrews? Anybody? Anybody? 21. 21 weeks in Hebrews. We're going to end up 21 weeks next week in Hebrews. But listen, you have to, you know, you have to take that much time. If you're really, you, now I could have blown over it in two, three, four, five, six weeks, but if you're going to take that much time to understand what Hebrews is saying, it's, in, in my, it's one of my most favorite books in the scriptures. If you're going to take the time you need to do that. And in order for you to help other people experience God in real life, you have to understand what it says. So that's what we're going to look at today. Now, we'll tell you, I want to do a quick recap of what we looked at so far in Hebrews. First thing I want to tell you is that the people are under persecution. So don't forget, in, when we're reading this, we're looking at people that are under persecution, okay? Their faith is being tested, and the reason their faith is being tested is because they are being persecuted for being followers of Jesus. And, and the, the people that are being written to were former, they, they were people that were former uh, worshipers in, in, in the religion of, of Judaism. And so they didn't believe in Christ. They didn't, they, and when, when I say that they didn't believe Christ had actually come, though, these people that we're, we're talking about today had actually said, no, Jesus is Lord. I want to follow Jesus' teachings. And so they started following Jesus' teaching. And because of that, they started getting persecuted. And so what the writer is saying to them is this. He said, hey, listen, I know you are tempted to go back to where you were before, but here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is greater than this. And we looked at it, Jesus is greater than the angels, Jesus is greater than Moses, and we went down the whole list of things, what Jesus is greater than. And so their faith is being tested 
today. So what the writer does is he goes step by step by step by step by step. One of the things he mentioned in the, in the first uh, few chapters is that Jesus was from the order of Melchizedek. And we looked at who Melchizedek was. That Melchizedek was a, not only a priest, but he was also a king. He's the only person we see in scriptures that was a priest and a king. So he had the ability not only to deal with your everyday life being a king, right? He was a governor, a king over a region, so he dealt with their everyday life. But he also was a priest, and so he dealt with their spiritual life as well. And who does that sound like? Someone who's a king and is also a great high priest. Well, let me tell you who it sounds like. It sounds like Jesus Christ is who it sounds like, and that's exactly what the writer says. The writer says, no, if you go back to this other religion, you're just going to experience these worldly kings, and you're going to experience these priests. But I want to let you know Jesus is greater than that because Jesus is both. He's actually both from the order of Melchizedek. We see also where the writer says, listen, this Old Testament... This Old Testament is nothing but a, it's a copy. It's a shadow. It's a shadow of what the reality was. And what was the reality? The reality was, was that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of what those Old Testament laws could not do. Okay? They could not do. Jesus was the fulfillment. And so he's encouraging them in that way as well. He also said this, and don't forget this, and those who've been here, you'll know this. But he said, listen, I want you to understand something. When the curtain was ripped, remember we looked at that, where the curtain was ripped in the Holy of Holies from the top to the bottom, that opened up and it gave us what? Full membership. We talked about how we now had full membership. And we weren't someone who was just, you know, we got a little bit here and a little bit there. Uh, I made some analogies of how sometimes you get a trial period, but you don't get the full thing. The full thing does the fullness. And what we have been experiencing and what he's saying is you guys have been experiencing this little trial version here. But, it's, but when you accept Christ, it's not a trial version. It's the full thing. You get the full membership. And then he also said this. He said, hey, listen, don't turn around. Don't turn around from where you're going. Don't do those things. And so over the last couple of weeks, he's given some direct instructions. We talked several weeks about faith, where in chapter 11, he says it was by faith. It was by faith that this occurred. It was by faith that these great people, it was by faith that you believe that the earth, uh, that, that, that God created the heavens and the earth. It was by faith that, uh, that we look at Cain and Abel and, and, and how Abel gave a greater sacrifice than Cain. It was by faith that, uh, that, that Abraham was called, he was drawn from his land to a land that he didn't know where he was going. It was by faith that Sarah uh, gave, gave birth uh, to a child at her old age. It was by faith that, that Moses, uh, he ended up building, a, building an ark 120 years. Like 100, uh, he was told to build the ark, but, but Noah, sorry, not Moses, Noah, Noah built the ark 120 years later is when the floods came. It was by, and he goes down this whole list of by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And he's telling them, listen, you too have to, because we are surrounded, and we looked at a couple of weeks, because we're surrounded by these great cloud of witnesses, because we've seen by faith what God can do, you too, by faith, even though you don't see it now in your persecuted state, you too have the ability to do that. And then last week we looked at, we looked at discipline. We looked at how God is calling us to discipline. And he's telling them, listen, you know, you know what you're supposed to do, 
Don't lose that discipline that you're supposed to have. Don't lose those things. And so this week, we're going to jump right into Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. You know, the last, I I love chapter 12 of Hebrews, but I'm going to be real with you and tell you, it's some of the hardest things to talk about, because here's what it does. It goes straight from the fluff right to the bone. You know what I'm saying? You know when someone says something that's quote-unquote cut you to the bone? That's exactly what God did last week when he talked about discipline, and that's exactly what he's going to do this week. When we talk about the topic we're going to talk about. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14, it says, Work at living in peace with everyone. Well, that right there, you already know, is going. I, I could preach 10 sermons on, I could do a 10-part series on work at living at peace with everyone. And then it says, and work at living a holy Life and those who are not holy will, will, will not see the Lord. And then it goes on to say this Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And then the text says, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like. Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. And then it wraps up by saying, You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. I tell you what, work at living at peace with everyone. It starts out with work at living at peace with everyone. And then at the end it says, Don't be like Esau. All right? Jacob and Esau, we know the story. Jacob, Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. He tricked his father. Esau was angry. He came in. Uh, I love that Esau was a very hairy man, is what it says. He was a very hairy man. And so, you know, his, his brother fooled him. And Esau came in, and he, he was very bitter because back then it was a very important thing for them to get a blessing from their father. They would get the blessing from their father. Their father would speak over a blessing to them. And it was so important back then that it ended up, Esau wanted to kill his brother. And he was bitter for years and years and years and years and years. He was bitter. Can I tell you something today, by the way? It's still important for your sons and daughters to get that blessing. It is. It's still as important as it was then for you to speak truth over their lives, for you to speak life over their lives, for you to speak good things over their life. It's still true today. It's still true today. And so we see this whole scene playing out. And the first thing I want to talk about today is, is this. God calls us, you guys, to live at peace with other people. He calls us to live at peace with other people. Now I want to tell you guys something. One of the things he says in this verse is he says, work. I want you to work. You know why he says work? Anybody have a guess as to why he says work at living at peace? Here's why. Because living at peace with other people is hard. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out. Living at peace with other people is hard. People can get on your nerves. All right? Now, I know there's no one here that gets on anybody's nerves. They're all watching from home, right? Um, Right? That's why they're not here. They're getting on everybody's nerves. No, I'm just kidding. People can be mean. People can be mean. People can be very hard to deal with. And here's why people can be hard to deal with. Because 
People have issues. Right? People have issues. Guess who else has issues? You do. You do. You have issues. And so what happens is that your issues knock up against their issues, which makes it very difficult to live at peace with other people. It's interesting, I looked up the translation where it says work. I looked it up and exactly what the writer originally intended. And here's what he had originally intended. Press hard after, pursue, chase down. So here's what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, I want you to chase hard after. I want you to run like the wind. I want you to chase down peace with other people. Do you know what most of the time we end up doing? You know what we end up doing? Whenever we can't have peace with other people, we don't give it enough time to try, and we end up just leaving. That's what happens. It's funny. We were in a conversation last night at the house with some friends, and, um, and they brought up this point, and I, I, I thought about it. I was like, gosh, it's so true. But, but it happens all the time in churches. When, when you come to a church and it doesn't matter what everybody's done for you and it doesn't matter what anybody has said, it doesn't matter how they blessed your life, none of that stuff matters. The first time someone gets ticked off, they don't want to work at living at peace with each other because it can be difficult. And so you know what they do? They go to the next church. Do you know what I tell people who come here who are ticked off from another church? Go back to the other church. Because we're going to tick you off as well. And then you'll be two or three churches in instead of one. Just go back and work it out. Do you know that being forced to work out an issue grows you? Do you know that? Do you guys know that? Do you know it grows you? It does. It grows you. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to God that you work at living at peace with everyone. He's telling these people, listen, work at living at peace. Do a good job at trying to chase down, chase down living at peace with everyone. You know, whenever I was dating Wendy, Wendy is so awesome for my, for my birthday this year. She got me a book, um, and uh, it was a book that she had put together. I don't know how many pages. It was a bunch of pages. And it was one of these books that you can get. It's got pictures all throughout it of our life together. And so when I started opening that book yesterday, I, I started looking at the differences in, in our lives. And like I was looking at like, oh my gosh, I remember that. I remember this. But it was all about, it was all about she, our, our life together when, from when we first met and then all the way until today. We look a lot better today than we did then. I got to be honest. I do anyway. I don't, she looks, she's always looked great. I look a lot better though. I should have went without hair a long, long time earlier because I had like a bouffant going on. Anyway, so it was bad. I looked like Bozo the Clown. I had thick on the side and nothing on the top, okay? So it was not good. Anyway, so, but I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I remember I started thinking about, and I'm going to tell you guys, when I was looking at this topic, I was like, man, I worked. I worked at getting windy, all right? I tried to chase her down. 
I would do all kinds of stuff. That's the same attitude that God wants us to have with other people. He wants us to work at doing it. A lot of us don't want to work. A lot of us just write people off and we move on. We just write people off. We don't want to work it at being at peace with people because it's difficult. Because we, here's the thing, we get frustrated because someone else won't change when we are refusing at the same exact time we're refusing to change as well. Maybe if we went just a little bit, they would come just a little bit. God calls us to be at peace with other people. Why? Because he knows that it hurts us. Do you know that when you're not at peace with someone else that it throws you off track spiritually, emotionally? It does. It throws you off track. It throws you completely off track. I always tell you guys this, but I want to say it again. I love, I love the Walmart aisle test. If you can't turn the aisle at Walmart and walk down past somebody and be nice to them, if you have to, if you turn the aisle and you make face to face and you see them at the other end and you go, oops, and you back off and have to go to the next aisle, you're not living at peace with everyone. You know, the person that ticked you off that you hope to never run into again, but then you run into them and it's awkward. Do you know that affects you and that bothers you? And do you know that deep down in your spirit, you know that there's an unsettling there because there's no peace there? There's no true peace there? He also knows this. It can be a distraction for the enemy. You not living at peace with people can be a distraction for the enemy. And here's the truth of the matter. You have to be disciplined in your peace. I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds like, what are you talking about, discipline in your peace? Listen, you have to decide that you are going to live at peace with other people, period. It's a decision. You have to make your mind up to stay at peace with other people. Here's what Proverbs 19.11 says. I want you to see this. Proverbs 19.11, it says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect, here it is, by overlooking wrongs. Sensible people control their temper. And they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. When someone does you wrong, is it fun for anyone? No. When someone does you wrong, is it something that, that, that deeply bothers you? It can. But here's the thing I want you to understand. When you will overlook a wrong, that earns you respect, not only with other people, but with God as well. Because here's why. He knows that if he can trust you in those situations, he can trust you to lead in bigger situations. Here's what Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says. It reminds us again, it says, listen, I want you to do this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. All right? Now let me say this. After a long period of time, after you've worked at it, and after you've given your best effort, and here's the thing, you know and I know what your best effort is. After you've given your best effort, okay, here's some practical applications for living at peace with people. Sometimes, what it says, do all you can, sometimes, do all we can, it means limiting our emotional investment in someone else. All right? Living at peace with everyone is not always you guys are best friends and you go hang out all the time. Can I tell you what living at peace sometimes means? It sometimes means you don't allow that person in your life anymore to abuse you. You don't allow that person in your life anymore. You love them, 
Maybe if, if, if you're, you know, I think of like a family member, uh, a family member, you know, maybe a, maybe a cousin, you know what I mean, or, or someone, someone in your family, all right? I, I think of that, and I'm like, you know what? Sometimes living at peace means that you have to say, you know what, I love them, but I'm not going to allow them to hurt me or speak into my life anymore. They don't have that right anymore. And listen, here's the thing. You don't have to make some grandiose statement. You don't have to be eating, you know, chicken and mashed potatoes at the at the family uh, at the at, at, at the family reunion and stand up and say, "Uncle Bob, you're not speaking to my life anymore, so I can have peace." You're not going to do that. But what you what you do have to do is you have to decide. I'm not going to let them affect me anymore. They're not going to have power over me anymore. I think that's why the writer says, "Do all that you can. Work at it. Work at it. Do all." That you, that you can. I really think this is a huge, this is a huge area that we can work on is living at peace with other people. Sometimes, you guys, we have to seek out a resolution and we have to, we have to get along. This is the case with your spouse, all right? Now, when you leave here today, don't say, well, I can't get along with my spouse, so I'm out of here. That's not what God says. We have to be big boy and big girls and we have to understand, hey, listen, I have to work out can I tell you a little secret? I know you're, you know, it's going to shock you. Do you know why some of your spouses get on your nerves? Because they're trying to tell you areas you need to work on. God placed them there on purpose for you so that you will not remain the same person that you have always been and keep getting the same thing you have always gotten. A lot of times our spouses are there. Our family, you have to work on those things. You have to seek out a resolution. Your mom, your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, and on and on and on. It's a bigger person that will take the time to say, no, I'm not just going to stay mad and get huffy and puffy. Do you know who does that? Most of the people in the world. That's that's who does that. It's a bigger person that's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take the time and I'm going to work out this thing. I'm going to work out this thing. God knows what he's talking about, you guys. He really does. Why is it that it's so important to him? Here's why it's so important to him, because he calls us to live a holy life. You can see in the next verse of the text, he calls us to live a holy life. Philippians 2.12 says this, it's one of my favorite verses. Philippians 2.12, it says, Dear friend, you always followed my instructions when I'm with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. What other verses, what other translations say is work out your salvation with fear and trembling is what it says. Work out. You know what that is? That's sanctification. God calls us to live a holy life. Now, here's the thing. I have a, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that some people come to church because they want to listen to and be encouraged by a word from God and learn about themselves. Okay? But I want you to know something. If all you're doing is coming to church and learning about yourself, and you're having a quote-unquote better life, you're missing the boat. Because a better life, your better life doesn't start with you with you just coming to church and just trying to be a better person. Your better life starts with the ideal goal of holiness. Everything flows down from your pursuit of holiness. And that is where your life will change. God calls us to pursue that. Can I tell you what? When it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, do you know what the word is they use there? It's the same word that they use in Hebrews. Work out, pursue, 
chase down holiness. It's the same word. It's the same exact word as used before. But here's the truth of the matter. It's hard to live a holy life if you're always arguing with other people. It's hard to live a holy life if you're always, if you're never at peace with other people. I don't know if you guys do this. I love doing this. Uh, you know, we have no excuse not to have a daily walk with God these days. Uh, on my phone, I've got an app. It's called the Bible app. And every morning I turn that, I hit that Bible app. I take 10 minutes. Bible app, it does it for you, you guys. You can even have it read it for you. It's kind of crazy. But I hit that Bible app and it, say, it says today's story. And so you hit that and it'll tell you the verse. And then it'll tell you, it'll, it'll, it'll tell you, a little bit about the verse, and then it goes in, and there's actually a short video teaching about the verse, and then it'll give you, it'll, it'll even gives you a prayer if you want to, if you want to follow that prayer. But I do that, and this week it was really awesome because James one came up, and I love this verse, James one twenty seven, and it relates directly to what we're talking about here. Here's what a holy life looks like: it's pure and genuine religion in the sight of God and the Father means caring for what orphans and widows in their distress. And here's the second part that no one mentions. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's a holy life. Here's what it means. Loving other people that do not have the capacity to love you back. That's what it is. Caring for widows and for orphans. Those that are without. Those that are without. And they need, they need that. Caring for widows and orphans. That is pure and, un, the, the, another translation says, an undefiled religion is, is having that. A holy life looks like that. And a lot of us want to say, well, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I know, but the second part, don't miss it. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Don't let the world corrupt you, right? So I also want to, I guess the second part is, is it's connected with the first part. But one of the, one of the biggest things um, that I have seen as far as living a holy life and we talked about it last week, is being disciplined and being self-controlled. When you are disciplined and you're self-controlled, you can connect with God in a deeper way. You are not argumented with people. Can I tell you something? If you get up every day and you allow God to touch your life in a, in a meaningful way, if you allow God to come in, you know, one of the things this thing does is, is it, 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 I have it on my phone where I can actually, every time I open up my phone, I see that scripture. I do. I see that, I open up my phone, I see that scripture right there. It keeps it on there for a full 24 hours. Flip up my phone the next day, I go through that thing, boom, there's the scripture again. Can I tell you what's pretty hard to do? It's pretty hard to stay mad at people, not live at peace, and not pursue a holy life. When all day, all I'm reading is that scripture over and over and over and over and over again. It's difficult. It's difficult to stay mad at people when I don't have that. It's difficult. What is, what is a holy life? How does God define it? Well, it can be defined in something that Jesus said. And it's very clear. If you want to have a holy life, you need to love God. And you need to love others. You need to love God. And you need to love other people. When you follow those two commands, you guys, your life goes better. You know, I was at a, um, I was at Chick-fil-A. It was before, it was before uh, COVID. And um, 
you know, I, I got a chicken sandwich, and, and they were touting this new salad that they had, all right? And I was like, hey, you know, I kind of like salad. I'll get a salad, too. So I got a little small side salad for Chick-fil-A. And I've eaten their side salads before, and they were good, but this was a new side salad. And so I took the, I took the side salad, and, and man, I got some good like, whatever vinaigrette stuff on top of it, man. I got my fork out, and I took a big old bite of that salad. And it was nasty. <laughs> it was gross. Those people at Chick-fil-A took perfectly good lettuce and switched it for kale. <laughs> it was kale. It was that kale salad. I don't care if you say you like kale. You're a liar. <laughs> you do not like kale. You tolerate kale. You do not like kale. No human being likes kale. And if you have to put so much cheese and lettuce, I mean so much cheese and gunk all over it to like it, you can't even taste the kale. You know what kale is? Kale is bitter. It's bitter. I am cooking it right. It's nasty. <laughs> For those at home, we've got a cook over here trying to tell me how to do it. <laughs> I hate kale. My wife likes kale. I hate kale. No, she hates kale. We both hate kale. If you like kale, we'll pray for you. Just text us. We hate kale. Because it's bitter. It's nasty. I took a big old bite out and I went right over there. Right? I didn't care. I was like, really? I literally was like, do I need to take this salad back? It's ruined. They gave me bad salad. And someone said, no, man, that's what it tastes like. I'm saying, what kind of moron eats this mess? It's kale. You know, get some good salad here. What's the deal? It's bitter. It's bitter. I just want to... Well, the third point is this. And here's it. Here it is. God calls us to put away bitterness. Do you know that when we walk around bitter, do you know that we walk around as bitter people? Every person that you experience and that experiences your bitterness, do you know what they want to do to you? That's exactly right. And it's a funny example, isn't it? But can I tell you something? It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. When we don't live at peace with other people, and when we don't, when we don't allow God to form us and to, and to mold us, we walk around tasting like a big old kale salad. Just nasty. It makes people want to spit us out. Here's how bitterness is defined. Anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentful. That's how bitterness is defined. You walk around and act like someone owes you something or act like you were treated unfairly. Here's the thing I want you to hear, okay? And I, I know everybody may need to hold on to your seats for this. I want you to hear this, okay? Life is not fair. Every one of us are going to be treated unfairly. Probably today. You have an option to look at that, go with it, throw it aside. Or you can look at it, start feeling sorry for yourself. You can start, you know, woe is me. You can start holding grudges against people. And guess what you do? 
you stop right there in your spiritual growth. And God can't walk with you any further if you're going to walk around bitter all the time. I know so many people, so many people that I've met in churches that were so bitter. You know, I tell the story about the lady that, you know, I was like, hey, you know, you know, I, I, was, I was trying to share something positive with her, and she was like, well, if you got time to do that, you got time to read your Bible. I was like, lady, I'm a preacher. I always read my Bible. What are you talking about? But she was so bitter, you know? I've heard a pastor say, listen, I've heard Christians tell people they're going to hell, and they act like they're kind of happy about it. You know what I mean? You're going to hell. Yes. What kind of attitude is that? Can I tell you that kind of attitude is? God can't use that attitude. He can't. And you can, you, can, you can come every Sunday and you can read whatever you want to read. Okay? Until, until God's word gets from your brain to your heart. It's not going to have an impact. And you're going to always continually be bitter. What are some signs of bitterness? Let me read it to you. Holding grudges. Attention seeking. Attention-seeking, refusing to change, always angry. Here's, this is one that, that is, is kind of crazy to me. You're not a fan of cheerful people. Do you guys know people that are just not a fan of cheerful people? Do you know what I do whenever I find people that are not a fan of cheerful people? I be cheerful, obnoxiously cheerful. That's what I do, obnoxiously cheerful. They're usually jealous, and on and on and on. It's interesting because what happened with Esau was not fair. The truth of the matter is that he was done wrong. and He had a choice, and he chose bitterness. He chose bitterness, and he relived that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And he could never move past that until later, much later in life, we see. But he could never move past that. That bitterness. That's the reason why God wants us to live at peace with each other. That's the reason why he wants us to pursue holiness. It's for your own good. It's for my good. And here's the most important part. If you and I choose not to embrace bitterness, then we'll have an impact on other people. Our coworkers, our friends, the people we meet in the grocery store, we will, and we'll have a positive impact. I want to ask you today, I want to ask you today to cling to holiness. I want to ask you today to release that bitterness and live at peace with other people. That's what God calls us to do. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much that you call us you call us to holiness, but it's not just for holiness' sake. You call us to holiness because you want us not to cling to and hold on to bitterness. You want us not to cling to and hold on to, to resentment. You want us not to hold on to anger, all of that bitterness, that, 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 all those things that bitterness produce. You want us not to hold on to those things. You want us not to hold on to jealousy. You want us not to hold on to those things. Why? Well, because, God, you know, you know that you can use us most effectively and that our lives will be most fulfilled when we are pursuing holiness with you 
and we're living at peace with other people. And so God, today, I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would be people that would choose. No, today, I'm not going to be angry anymore about that person. That person that hurt me 30 years ago, I'm not going to let them have power over me anymore. What I'm going to do is, is I'm going to choose not to be bitter. I'm going to choose not to hold a grudge. I'm going to choose to move past that. They have no power over my life anymore. I'm going to choose to pursue holiness. And God, as we do that, I pray that we would start seeing change in the life of the church here. Start seeing change in the life of the people. And Lord, my biggest prayer is, is that no one, no one would refuse to let you take over their life and guide them. Let, their, let the words that they read in this Bible go from their heads to their hearts. And they would be naturally living out what it is they believe and what they know to be true. And as you do it, God, we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and have a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.